came and they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I pray. It stuck out to me today. Let's read it one more time. And they came to a place which was called, which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. But then watch this. And he taketh with him Peter, James, and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. This is the Lord here. Unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little. He'll always go further than what he asked you to go. Amen. And fell on the ground. This is God. Fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, what's the name he addresses him with, Simon, Sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? That's my verse tonight. Verse 8. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. They was at a loss for words. They were busted again. You may have been caught by your daddy and he done told you not to do it and you like caught red-handed again. How'd you like to be caught by God? But don't worry, he catches you every time. In verse 41, And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up and let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Father, we pray tonight that you might give us liberty to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. God, we pray, Lord, that I stand where nobody can help me, not even myself. I stand where only you can help me, Lord. And I pray you'd help me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Help me to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Lord, I know that in that is in me, that is in all my flesh, that things I would do, I do not, and things I don't want to do, those I seem to do. And I pray, God, you cleanse me from every iniquity and thought or process or mind. I pray, God, that you'd help me, Lord, and cleanse me, Lord. Let me not hinder the message that you've laid upon my heart. But, Lord, help me to preach it in the, in the manner that you'd have me to preach it. Help me, to, Lord, to be a help and feed your sheep. I pray, God, for sinners, if they might be here tonight, that they might be saved on a Wednesday night in the cream of the crop, the crowd that's always here. We ask God that you'd help me to feed them. And I pray, Lord, they go away saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I know, Lord, it'll be some rebuke, it'll be some reproof, but I pray, Lord, it'll be exhortation, it'll be correction, it'll be instruction that the will of God may be accomplished. 
and the work of God may continue. I pray, God, you give us a zeal, a fire, a joy that, that we might hear the word of God, but not only hear it, but heed it. And I pray, God, it be a part of our life that it create hope and peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. And I pray, Lord, that you will be done. Help us to fall in love with the Bible. For you said, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I pray tonight that you give us liberty and your will be accomplished. Preach us and the power of the Holy Ghost. Use us, Lord, as a mouthpiece. And may you preach from the pulpit of glory to accomplish your purpose and plan tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while tonight, I want to preach on the thought, just one hour. Spurgeon said this before I get started. He said, men owe the grandeur of their lives to the tremendous difficulty of their life. It is through pressure that coal turns into diamonds. I asked Miss Bethany, I was looking this, uh, reading and studying, and I found somebody who made, uh, he made a, a point, Brother Jerry, that if you went over here and played the black keys by yourself, it'd be sad. If you played the white key, keys, you'd be happy. But if you played all of them together, it creates a joy that people enjoy to hear, a harmony that would help people's hearts. I don't know tonight what may be going on in everybody's life, but I do know this. Difficulties sometimes deliver us to a place that we can be better used of God. The Bible tells us in verse number 37, that's my text tonight, the Bible says several things that we need to pay attention to on the thought of this message, just one hour. Some people say that it probably was well, sometime around about midnight when they really got hooked in and Jesus is making these trips back to check on uh, the disciples. Our flesh is sweet, but our spirit is willing, Matthew said. Here's what the Bible says. Notice this. He said, Couldest thou, not thou watch one hour? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Number one tonight, I want to think about the immensity of the debt. When Jesus asked Simon, he asked him, this is the inner circle. This is not every one of the disciples is in that little group that got took a little further. We read in our text tonight, well, the Bible says that he asked them to sit here while I shall pray. But he took Peter, James, and John. He took that inner circle. And the Bible said he began to be sore amazed. That word there, sore amazed, uh, paints the picture of a horror of darkness, of the darkness creeping in on the Lord. He who was light felt darkness creeping in on him. When he prayed, if it be possible that this cup pass away, you see the Bible said in verse 35, uh, 
that he asked that the hour might pass from him. You see, the sore amazement and the pressure of sin that began to press him and will press his sweat. Make not, not sweat, but make what comes out of his pores instead of sweat blood. The pressure of the weight of sin. Sin on the sinless one. Darkness creeping in on he who is light. It began to weigh on him. He said, unto death. He said in verse 33, that it was very heavy. He said that it was exceeding sorrowful. And verse 34, unto death. I mean, he is making, being made sin for us who knew no sin. Sin is crashing in upon him. The weight of sin is falling on the, the pressure of what he's going to endure. He wasn't trying to get out of Calvary. He was praying toward Calvary. He was getting out from under the weight in Gethsemane and looking forward to the cross for the joy that was going to be set before him. And while he's going through agony and while sin is pressing upon him and while he's going just a little further, he asked Peter, James, and John. That's what the Bible says. He took them a little further and verse 33 and began to be so amazed and he said, watch what he said in verse 34, tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward and he fell on the ground and he prayed. And then the Bible says after he prayed, he come back and asked Peter, he called him his fleshly name. Flesh was ruling him. And he said with a question, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Couldst thou not watch one hour? One hour. Oh, couldest not thou, talking to you, Peter, talking to you, Simon, have you forgot the immensity of the debt that's owed the one that called you? Have you forgot that when you was out there cussing sailor that I came by one day and called you to be a not a fisher of fish, but a fisher of men? He said, Peter, could us not thou? Peter, James, and John. Hey, it was them that had just seen him in all of his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm talking not to all the disciples. I'm talking to you, Peter. I'm talking back to the spokesman. Peter, hey man, I went to your house and raised a, a feverish mother-in-law off of her bed. Peter, you walked on water, got out of a boat. Peter, you saw me touch every leper that I touched and they got clean. You see me touch every blind man and they walked away sin. Peter, have you forgot about walking with me? Have you forgot about talking with me? See, we're looking at the immensity of the debt 
In other words, the privileges that Simon Peter knew. Every single person in here, we owe a debt to God. Oh man, a debt we could never repay. Oh, what the God Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living, he's already saved your soul, so you present your body a living sacrifice. We don't want to do that. Hey man, we don't like it when the Lord gets personal with us, but he's not talking to James right now. He's not talking to John right now. It's not recorded what he said, but it is recorded that he got personal. And he said, Peter, couldest thou not watch? Thou, couldest not thou watch? Oh, the privileges he made, the, the, profet, the privileges he knew, the profession he made. He said, what did Peter, this is Peter. This is not Thomas the doubter. This is not somebody else that's hardly mentioned. This is Peter. Peter's the one that said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he told Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. But my father, which is in heaven, Peter, this is Peter. Oh man, not just the privileges he knew and the profession he made, but the preacher he had become. It was Peter that God had called. Peter's gonna be preaching in Acts chapter number two and in Acts chapter three. And many times in the Bible, thousands are gonna be saved. Peter, the preacher you become. There's a debt that we as Christians owe the Lord. He saved our soul and paid a debt we owed but could never pay. Hey man, God died for us, was our substitute, took our place, suffered our hell, suffered the wrath of God. We owe him a debt. Hey man, the least we could do is watch and pray. Would y'all say amen? He said, could us not thou, the privileges Peter knew, the profession he made, the preacher he had become. But number two, I want you to think about this. The, think of the modesty of the demand. Not just the immensity of the debt, the modesty of the demand. The Lord did not say, could us not thou watch for three hours? Would y'all say amen? That's right. He did not say, as a matter of fact, he didn't say, couldst thou not watch and work and worship? He didn't say that. The only thing he asked them to do was to watch at first. Did y'all see that? In fact, let's read it one more time. He took Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed to be very heavy and saith unto them, my soul, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. He's tasting death, fixing to taste death for every man. The weight of sin was crashing on him. And he told them in the latter part of verse 34, I tarry ye here and watch. He didn't ask him to do a whole lot, brother, brother Jerry. He didn't say, hey, why don't you go out here and uh, why don't you go out here and build churches? That's not what he said. He didn't ask Peter to go get scourged for him. He didn't ask Peter at this time uh, to go die in his place. He only asked Peter to watch. That's a soldier term. Hey, man, the best asking will come far short of his giving. He'll never ask 
ask us a fraction of what he gives us. He had, look what he done for Peter. He called him from the pit of despair to be a preacher of deliverance. I say amen. He called him from being a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. He called him from being a, a worker in the temporary to a worker and a laborer for the eternal. Oh my. Oh God, help us today. The modesty of the demand. Notice these three Ps. It was a protective duty. A watch is what a soldier does. That's the point they take. They stay on guard as a soldier, as a goodman of the house. And he said, could you not watch and pray that you enter not into temptation? But brother, we need to watch what's coming in our house. We need to watch what's coming in our, amen, in our schools. We need to watch what's coming in our life. All the Lord asked Peter to do right here and the latter part of that verse, Peter, James, and John was tarry you here and watch. That wasn't a big, that wasn't a big ask. Tarry here. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to fall on my face. I'm going to take the weight of sin. I'm going to be the substitutionary death for all sinners. I'm going to taste death for every man. I need you to watch. God wants us to be watchmen on the wall. Mamas, you need to watch over them daughters. Daddy, you better watch over them sons. We've got to watch ourselves and make sure we don't trip one of our kids up. Make sure we don't trip one of our grandbabies up. We've got to make sure we don't trip young people up. Watch, could you not watch? You see, if you don't watch, the devil will sneak up on you. You got to watch. You got to keep aware. You got to be aware of your surroundings. A watchman is aware. He's alert. He's awake. Amen. And he's attuned to his duty. He said, could you not watch? It's a protective duty. Amen. It's a personal duty. Watch what he said. He said, he went forward. He came back after he prayed. He said, could us not Thou. Oh man, it's, it's personal. It started out personal and it's going to continue personal and it's going to end up personal. Ain't you glad you got a personal savior? He just didn't save us. some people. He saved you, brother Scott. He saved you, brother Doug. He saved me that day. He did save my wife the same day I got saved, but he saved me that day. Hallelujah. He's a personal God, and he's asking Peter, amen. He said, of all the privilege, of all the profession, of the fact that you're a preacher, the fact that I've called you, amen, and called you to be with me, and ordained you, then sent you forth with power that you might preach, amen. He said, is that not enough? It's a protective duty, amen. It's a personal duty. It's a prayerful duty. He said, could you not watch and pray? He said, could you not watch and pray? Look over in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 19 and 20. I love this. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, amen, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. You know what Paul's saying there? He said, great God in heaven, uh, Jesus is the veil. And the veil was rent. uh, And when his flesh was rent, 
rent. That fleshly veil of Christ was rent. It gained, we gave us access and to the holies. That's why we can go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16 and say with amen, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. That's, don't say arrogantly, but it says boldly. Why boldly? Why do we come in there boldly? Like it's our throne room. I'm going to tell you why we come boldly. Because the blood gave us access to come into it holy. Amen. The holy place. Turn over to Romans and chapter number 5 and watch what the Bible says. In Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith we have peace to the, through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice and the hope of the glory of God. Somebody help me tonight. Would y'all say amen? We have an immense debt. Would y'all say it's a modest demand? Amen. It's nothing. It should be nothing. For God to ask us to pray, we ought to pray. But I guess, I guess y'all know it. He did say for us to pray. He wants men to pray always and every place, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In Luke chapter number 18. Here's what the Bible says in Luke 18 and verse number 1. And he spake a parable unto this end that men always ought always to pray and not faint. Paul says to the Philippian church be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. Would y'all agree with me tonight? It's not much for God to ask us. He's done paid the penalty. He's going to pay your sin debt. He's going to suffer hell for you. He's going to put your name in the Lamb's book of life. He's going to put food on your table. Clothes on your back. He's going to put gas in your car. He's going to take care because he's Jehovah Jireh. The God that will provide. He provided himself and he provided every need. All your needs shall be met through his riches and glory by who? By Christ Jesus. Hey, that's not much to ask just to bend the knee or stand up or call out to God and pray. I wouldn't say that's much. Would y'all say that? It's an immense demand. Immense debt. A modest demand. And number three, Notice this, the brevity of the duration. Notice how brief it was. He said in verse 37, Couldest not thou watch one hour? How many of you here, I need everybody to look at me right quick. How many of you here looking at me in eyeballs will give an hour to a TV show? How many of you give an hour to a meal? How many of us in here will give an hour to cutting the grass? Give an hour, maybe, to shopping and getting something we want. But how many of us even take an hour to pray? Couldest not thou watch? Couldest not thou watch? Couldest not? It's a personal thing. It's, it's, it's a privilege, Brother Scott. It's the greatest privilege and yet the greatest neglected privilege that mankind knows. 
I wonder sometimes the angels ain't looking over the banister of glory and saying, my goodness, they waste a lot of time. They put no effort into watching. They put no effort. Have they forgot the privilege of being saved? Have they forgot the privilege of knowing Christ? Have they forgot the privilege of all the truth that God's revealed to them? Have they forgot the privilege of me calling them to preach or, or giving them a gift to be used of God or to be a, a preacher's wife, a pastor's wife, uh, to be a Christian wife? Hey Amen. Your husband's a Christian. You ought to thank God for it. There's a lot of women that their husband beats them when they come in, beats them when they leave, runs around on them with every, every whoremonger and harlot on the town. But you got a good husband or got a good wife you ought to thank God for it what a privilege the debt we owe him God's gave us children God's blessed them with health God's give us strength and we might have allergies we might have stuff messing with our throat but we still got a voice that we still can talk and walk and God still give us strength and he's gave us grandbabies that's got all their fingers and all their toes oh hallelujah bless the Lord Lord. Oh, thanks be unto God. We owe him a debt that we can't pay. And it's not too much to demand for us just to watch, for us just to pray. And it's sad, Brother Jared, because he only asked us for a brief one. The brevity of the duration. It was only an hour. He said, couldest thou not watch and pray? You've known his presence. You've experienced his power. You've been pardoned from sin. You've been where the Lord's at. You've seen God in all his glory. And you didn't deserve it then because to be honest, we didn't pray for an hour then. But God's done it and he's put a little put a little taste like you do on a little baby's tongue. Just give them a little dab of banana pudding see if they like it. Hey man, they'll lick the spoon clean. They'll try to suck the silver off the spoon get some more banana pudding. And God's done what he's done around here. It ain't because nobody's been the right kind of watcher. It ain't because we've done been the right kind of prayer. But God's let us have a little taste to see if we'll just be committed and pray. Amen. God help us. The immensity of the debt, the modesty of the demand, the brevity of the duration. 60 minutes. 60 minutes. Just 60 minutes. We probably probably waste more time in that reading the newspaper. 60 minutes. How long has it been since you prayed for 60 minutes? How long has it been since you prayed for more than five minutes? We watch television, go shopping. But what we need to do is face up to the fact. That's what he was doing to Peter. He's calling him out. He said, Simon. He said, I'm talking to that fleshly side because the fleshly side is what's ruling you right now. That's why he didn't talk to the madman of Gadarenes first. He talked to the demon in him first. And when the demon got out, then he started talking to him. Are y'all with me today? Hey, our flesh is the problem today. Our flesh is what's giving us a fit. And if you don't start watching, your flesh is going to rule your life. It's going, matter of fact, he's going to ruin your life. Your flesh is going to make, when you got saved, your flesh is still being hauled around by you. And, and I, I, we need to reckon it dead. But every day you reckon it dead, it's just been dead for that longer. It's going to stink more. It's going to pop its head up. It ain't going to never quit. 
It's always going to be after you. Satan's going to be after you. The world is going to be after you. But your biggest problem is your flesh. There's a traitor in the camp. And he said, could you not watch and pray? Lest you fall into temptation. He said, it's for your protection. I've asked you to do something that's for your protection. I've asked you to do something. Hey, man, I've given you the privilege of prayer. I've asked you personally, Peter. Simon, what's your problem? Couldst not thou watch? You saved just for one hour. We need to face the fact, Brother Jared, that we ain't watching and we're not praying like we should. Matter of fact, we'd be honest. We need to face up to it and admit that we've been forsaking it. We, need, we often forfeit prayer altogether. I'm not saying you don't pray over your meal, but have you, see, have you seen people pray over their meal? It's almost like Christians now in public are ashamed to pray over their meal. It looks like they're sneezing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I mean, is that, I, are you scared that somebody's going to see you pray? Get some God about you. Amen. You say, preacher, you talking to? Whoever shoe fits, Cinderella, that's who I'm talking to. If it don't fit, throw it away. If it does fit, put it on. Confess. Ha, ha, we need to face up. We need to realize that we've been forfeiting our privilege, our responsibility, the request that God made. Could us not that watch? He told them to watch. He asked them, could us not thou watch and pray? Could us could not thou watch and pray for one hour? We've forsaken it. But I tell you what we ought to do, we ought to fortify it. When he prayed, God, forgive us for not doing it. For, forgive us for forsaking him. Forgive us for forfeiting it. Forgive us. Lord, we're facing up to the fact that we have not been watching like we should. We ain't been praying like we should. And, and to be honest with you, we need to do it. What is it? What is it that's taking all your attention? I wonder how often we disappoint him by not doing what he asked us to do. I got to thinking about Genesis in chapter number 22, Brother Jerry. The Lord told me this morning, yeah, I need to slow it down. I, I can't, I need to make sure everybody hears this message tonight. So, hey, this is what he wanted. In Genesis in chapter 22, brother, everybody looks at that text like God's on trial. God ain't on trial. Abraham's faith is being tested. Every time, now at the same time, God's going to test his faith, but God's going to show up in faithfulness. And until your test is, until your test is, until God has put your faith to the test, you won't see him being faithful. Somebody say amen. Sometimes God takes us through things. Every time, God always waits until man can't do it no more. And then God shows up and does it. Have y'all ever noticed that? Here's Moses down at the Red Sea. He got Egypt behind him, mountains on both sides, the Red Sea in front of him. And he's going to lift a rod. Moses can't do nothing. But when Moses can't go left, right, or back, all of a sudden God shows up. Here's David, a little teenage boy, ruddy. And, and I know God's given strength to face the bear and the lion. But he's going to go face a nine foot, nine inch, almost 500 pound giant with, with, a, with a rock and a sling. And when man can't do nothing else, God will shove that giant right into that rock. When Gideon started out with 32,000, ends up with 300, there ain't no way, ain't no way man can do that. That don't make sense to man. But, but when man can't do it, God shows up and does it. 
Abraham, 99 years old. God gives him a sexual fire back in his body. His wife, Sarah, she's already post-menopause, can't have kids no more. And all of a sudden, God livens her womb up and God gives them a child. They couldn't do it. No wonder she laughed. She said, I can't have babies. I done went through menopause. My baby time is over. And Ishmael, wasn't his, that wasn't his son of promise. Ishmael was a product of trying to get ahead of God. You always get in a mess when you get ahead of God. And we're still suffering from that. The towers were hit because somebody say amen. Amen, preacher, preach on. Amen. But God told him to take the very gift that God gave him in his old age and take him up on top of Mount Moriah in Genesis in chapter number 22 and offer him for a sacrifice. You know what he had to do, Brother Jared? Hey, he had to take the gift and give it back to the gift giver. That's a test. Now, brother, you say, how in the world could a man do that? He had to make his mind up before he ever left. When it, matter of fact, I know he made his mind up before he climbed that mountain, but I believe he made his mind up before he ever left because Hebrews says he knew he had faith that God, if, he, if it required his son, God could bring him back to life. Here's what happened. When he gets there, he leaves the ass with the two lads and he said, man, the lads gonna go yonder to worship and return. He told them they is coming back. He already knew it's gonna happen. He said, man, that just don't make sense. I, don't, I can't understand. I can't understand why God would even require that because it's a test. Y'all remember when we used to have this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Y'all remember that? I don't even know if I to do it no more. And it comes across the radio and it's aggravating. You're going to stick your hands in the ears. You couldn't hardly stand it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it said if this was a real emergency, instructions would follow. Don't worry. What you're going through tonight is really just the test. But if it's a real emergency, God will show up and bring instructions. Somebody say amen. Y'all know I'm right. Amen, God will. Okay, here's what happened. Abraham had his hand stayed. And you know what happened, brother? Brother, this is what happened. His test became his testimony. And some of us in here wonder why God's putting us through a test. That's because your test can become your testimony. See the problem with Abraham, brother? He trusted in that son. He trusted in that gift more than the gift giver. And if you ever put anything before God, he's going to come after it. I had a preacher friend of mine said he had a, well, and a preacher I know, he said he had a member in his church and said that the member of the church got to where they wouldn't bring their kids out because it was cold. The baby is four months old. Said they wouldn't bring the baby out because the ba- they afraid the baby was going to catch cold. So he saw her at Walmart. Ain't that funny? Babies don't get cold going to Walmart. But he showed, saw her at Walmart one day. And he said this. He said, I'm going to tell you what. Since that baby seems to be your problem, I'm going to go home and ask God to take that baby from you so, it, so you'll start coming back to church. He said the next Sunday, she had five toboggans on, three quilts, had that baby in the house of God. Somebody say amen. They say, preacher, come on now, that's rough. Well, all I'm saying is, sometimes what we put before God, God's going to come after. 
Whatever you trust more than God, he's going to come after. Whatever you put before God, he's going to come after. It don't matter what it is. It don't matter what it is. Don't put nothing before God. Don't let your child become your idol. Don't let your, don't let your craft become your idol. Don't let, don't let nothing in this world come between you and God because he will come after that gift. You say, I don't believe that. Well, let's just let's think about it biblically then. I already showed you one, Genesis 22. You say, well, well, preacher, what's this got to do with me? She's always got everything. They put rest before the request. He said, watch. But they wanted to rest. He even stirred them up, went back and prayed, come back, still sleeping. Went back and prayed, come back and said, sleep on now. Peter failed in the temptation because he wasn't watching and praying and denied that he even knew the Lord. Y'all listen to this preacher. Here's what happened. Let me me give you another example. (laughs) Lucifer, who became the devil, the serpent, Satan, was made the most beautiful angel in heaven. He led the singing in heaven according to the way the description reads in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Hey, the anointed cherub, the one that hovered above the throne. Hey, man, he had, he had, the, he led the singing, had to sing. He made him beautiful. Son of the morning, I mean, made him beautiful. And then he let the plan that God had for him become pride. And when, when God gives you a gift and God gives you a blessing, If you love the blessing more than the blesser, he's coming after your gift. He's coming after your blessing because that's when when the plan for his life, you've got too haughty and it's turned into pride and so God's going to have to snatch it out. Are y'all listening to this preacher? They put rest before the request. They put sleep before the Savior. They, they, They put watching the back of their eyelids instead of watching out for the schemes of the devil. Couldst not thou watch one hour? But I want you to turn over with me. Man, it's it's really blown my mind. Look over at Matthew's account. (coughs) Matthew chapter number 26. I thank God for the panoramic view of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 26. I know there wasn't going to be much shouting on this message tonight. You should have came last night. There's plenty of shouting there. This is all I got, so you might as well get with it and say amen. 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 Well, that's all I got on me. I mean, I I got a few in here I can preach. Amen. That's all I got on me. Listen, watch this, watch this. Look in Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 26. Look at verse number 38. Then saith he unto them, same account, Jesus and disciples. Verse 37 said he took Peter, James, and John, of course, sons of thunder. He said in verse 38, watch what he said. Matthew gave us a more vivid picture of the request. We've already seen the immensity of the debt, the modesty of the demand, the brevity of the duration, but look at the revealed intensity. Lord just didn't say watch on your own. He just didn't say pray on your own. Watch what he says. Verse number 38, latter part of that verse, tarry ye here and watch. What does that say right there, them last two words? 
with me. Say it real loud. You know what he said, Brother Jared? He said, I'm just asking you to watch with me. Look what he said in verse number 40. He cometh to, uh, verse 40, and he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? That's, that's a word of unbelief, of unbelief. What? What's he say? Could ye not watch with me one hour? He said, watch with me. And then he's, what could you not watch with me? One hour. Thank God for Christ desiring to be with us. Kind of reminds me back over in the book of Mark in chapter number three. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him. Before he ever sent them to preach, before he ever gave them power, before he ever let, let them have the power to cast out devils and heal people, he said, the first thing I want, your first responsibility is to be with me. See, church, here's, here, here's the thing. If we want to be with him, we need to start praying with him. If we want to be with him, we need to start watching with him. I tell you what, he didn't let nothing come between you and him. The audacity of us to let something come between us and him. He didn't let nothing come between him and me, Brother Jerry. How in the world do I think I have the right to let anything come between me and him? How often do we disappoint the Lord? You see, these, these two words, they also remind me. Look, matter of fact, just look over here. Let's look over here. Look at Matthew chapter 17. Not just Mark 3 when he called them to be with him. But look here at Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 17, uh, verse 30. Verse, Matthew chapter 17. Oh yeah, verse 3. <laughs> Amen. Verse number 3, watch what he says. And behold, there appeared unto, unto them, who? Peter, James, and John. He's transfigured. Watch what happens. And behold, there appeared unto them, Moses and Elias, talking with him. They got to be with him like Elijah was with him. They got to be with him like Moses was with him. You got the prophets and the law. You got one living and one dead. And you get to be on the mount seeing the glory break out. So why in the world, if we get to enjoy the glory with him, why don't, we, why don't we want to get down to business and pray with him? He called them to him. They got to go with him and preach grace. They got to go with him and see glory. And now all he's asking is go with me to Gethsemane. How many of us in this building realize that when we're not watching and praying and doing what the Lord wants us to do, we're missing out on companionship. How many of you realize tonight when you, when you don't do, don't go with the Lord and do it, you, you're missing out on cooperation with the Lord. Does the Bible not say workers together with Christ? Does not the Bible say that a steward must be found faithful? Some of you checked out already tonight. Companionship, cooperation, but it's consecration. 
thank God for the companionship with the Redeemer, for the cooperation and the work of redemption. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We get to be a part. Every Christian gets to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation. What does God want me to do? He wants you to go back there and get a handful of tracts and go tell people what good things the Lord's done for you. Hey, man, and be a part of the ministry of reconciliation. Will you, will you get with him tonight? Just have companionship with the Redeemer. Would you cooperate, cooperate with him and get out there and get busy in the work of redemption and reconciliation? Would you be consecrated? See, to be with him is to be away from something else. Because you can't drag all that mess where the Lord's at. I'm a firm believer. That's why all the disciples didn't go with them. Peter represents faith. James represents hope. John represents love. And he took faith, hope, and love and asked them to watch. He didn't ask Thomas to watch. At least it's not recorded in the eternal word that he asked them. But he, did, he asked them to sit while they, he went and prayed. And then he took Peter, James, John said, I want y'all to watch. And then he said, what could you not watch with me? Here's, what's, here's, here's the sad thing, brother. We've heard preaching on this 20 years. Probably heard preaching on this 25 years. This ain't the first time I preached from this text. First time I preached exactly this message. But how many times do we get caught on the carpet, come face to face, that we've been forfeiting, we've been forsaking the privilege of prayer? And we'll make a commitment. We'll make a shallow commitment. We may come down here to the altar, may even cry some tears, but we'll go back out and we'll spend multitudes of hours putting things before God. And there's no fear about us that we're starting to love and worship the gift more than the gift giver. I mean, that's what happened when they come out of Egypt. God let them spoil all the magicians, had all that gold. How do you think they had all that gold? They was poor, they were slaves. And they had all the gold, the brass and the silver and everything they needed to build the tabernacle. They spoiled them. The Bible said they spoiled them. God will take the devil's money and give it to his people. Hey, man. One day, hey, man. The Lord's going to pay this church off. I don't care if he uses the devil's money as long as it comes in. Somebody say amen. But here's what, I, here's what I say, Brother Jerry. When they got out there and Moses is up there praying, seeking God's face, they take the blessing, make a calf out of it, and start worshiping the blessing more than the blessing. Y'all say amen right there. I don't know what it is. If it's money that's come to you, know, he's going to come after it. If you put in your marriage, I hear people say all the time, Preacher, I, I got to miss, you know, I mean, hey, I, I just, I'm going to come to church one time a week. I, I got to have family time. What's wrong with having family in church? Hey, if you want to take them on vacation, hey, take them on vacation. Take them on vacation. I wish, I wish everybody in here could go on a two-week vacation. We just all go together and booty to pay for it. Hey, man. I mean, he works at the state because he just likes to do something. We just let booty. I'm, I, wouldn't that be a blessing? I, we'll, we'll have church wherever we go. Wouldn't that be fun? But you know what, brother, brother Doug? 
We'll put careers. We'll put children. We'll, we'll put ATVs. We'll put all kinds of stuff before the Lord. And it'll be constantly, and then better watch it because God's going to come after you. But I'm going to tell you, when you get done with the test, you're going to look back. And God's never asked you to give something to him that he didn't give it back to you many-fold. When Job had to give up everything, God gave him back double. Would, would y'all agree with that? Man, early this morning, well, actually, Monday, God began to work on this message in my heart. Tuesday, God began to put it in my heart. This morning, God put it in my heart, and without a doubt, that's what I was supposed to be preaching today. I don't know what's happened in your life, but whatever it is, whatever it is, and I'm saying we can all do that. We can all put more importance on things, and that's what happened. If you put more importance on anything in your life, they said rest more than the request. Sleep more than the Savior. It's as if, Brother Jared, they were saying, I, I, just to be honest with you, I want to lay back, close my eyes, rather than watch out for my own children. How many of you be honest tonight? Miss Bethany's going to come. How many of you be honest tonight? You say, preacher, I'll have to be honest. There's never been a time that I had a need that God didn't meet. There's never been a time that we didn't have something to eat. I didn't say you're going to like everything you eat. Well, but in our day, when we say we don't have nothing to eat, there's a pantry full and a refrigerator full. We don't have what we want to eat. But God's never let you down. 